Welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. This episode entitled, Parable of the Sower and the Table, a Gathering in the Courtyard, was given on June 25, 2017 by Bethany Shea in the series, The Table. Uh, Jesus spent a lot of time in the scripture physically around a table. And so we kind of want to feel that out, what that looks like. So last week, what we looked at is, is that table that we come around every single week with the communion table, with the Eucharist, um, Christ's death and resurrection represented in the, the body and blood of Christ, the, the bread and the, the juice that we have here. Um, and that was kind of the physical area of our time last week. But another thing that we're trying to do every single week is to bring in the message and a physical response so it's all together with our kids being incorporated into the scripture and into the learning. So uh, last week, if you guys all, if whoever was here, if you remember, we built garden beds. And so we've got them lift, uh, right over here on the wall and then on the ground. And we uh, shoveled out space in the back behind the church to put... Um, to, to plant a garden throughout this summer. So uh, this week we're going to be putting the soil in and planting some starts. And then uh, you guys will all plant some seeds and take the seeds home, water them. And when you see the little, the little guys come up, then we'll bring them back and we'll, we'll put them into the soil. And the reason that we're doing that and the, the reason that we're doing that and the reason that we're doing a message with a physical response is because we really feel it's important that everyone is discipling each other. That it's not the kids that are always being put into another room to learn from a teacher, which is beautiful and good, and we don't knock that at all. But it's all of us discipling each other uh, around the scriptures and around a physical reminder of the scripture. So that was kind of the vision for this summer. And the reason that we met outside is because it's summertime. It's great doing something a little bit different, changing it up. Um, it makes us look at scripture a little differently and it's gonna be louder and a little bit more uh, distracting sometimes, but we just encourage you to, to try to be as focused as you can to be really present. So um, we have, do we have Bibles out? Do you know if there's Bibles out? Oh, right over there. Perfect. So uh, I'm going to pray and then we'll grab our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 13. If you could open up your hands as a way of releasing this time before the Lord, though, uh, that'd be great. So Jesus, we love you and we are so thankful that we get to gather in your name as your family, as your people, with the differing ages and stages of life represented here around this table. We thank you for the birds that are singing. We thank you for the sun that we had all week here in Humboldt and the cloud cover that's now protecting those new starts that have come about because of the sun. We pray a blessing over this time and we release it before you. If there's anything on our hearts or in our minds that are keeping us from being fully present to your presence, we, we, let, we let go of that right now, Jesus. And we invite you, we invite your presence to be so aware of right now. We love you, we thank you in your name, amen. All right, so Matthew 13, why don't we turn there? This is a very familiar passage to a lot of you. Um, I'm sure if, if, uh, if anybody read it, they'd probably have a sermon to preach out of it because it's been preached on so many times before. Uh, I've never preached on it, though, actually. <laughs> um, this is the passage of Matthew 13. This is the passage of the sower and the seed. And since we're going to be looking at soil today and looking at seeds, I just felt like it was really appropriate for that. So um, 
I'm gonna read it through and then we'll and then we'll go through it and talk about it together. It says in verse one, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, Jesus says, let them hear. And then we'll jump to verse 18. It says, Jesus says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Amen. So throughout, oh, throughout, the, throughout the gospel passages, oftentimes what you will find is Jesus speaks in these parables, and he uses these cultural nuances to help people understand, to help apply it to people. Um, he was speaking in a place where agricultural practices abounded, and so for the people who were listening, for most of them, they would have been like, yeah, okay, sower seed, I know what that's like, makes sense. For me, um, I don't garden. If I'm like in charge of a plant, it probably won't survive longer than like two or three weeks because usually they can last on their own for that long and then they're dead. So that's usually how I garden. But some of you are great gardeners. Who gardens here? Yes. Yes, you know this speaks to you in such a different way than it does to me. Um, but practically speaking, just even looking at this passage, practically speaking, the good stuff we want to grow if we're gardeners or even if we're just trying to grow anything. It can't grow very well when there's weeds or thorns or too many rocks in the soil. And we can spend all summer on this one passage. We're going to do it this week. And then next week, I'm going to talk about what the seed represents, which is the kingdom. We're going to look about at that a little bit deeper. Um, but I just love how God's word is something that you can look at again and again. You could have heard a sermon on this a thousand times and still there's something new for you in it. And that's why I encourage you to always bring your Bibles every Sunday because 
if there's something that you see or hear, you can mark it up, you can take your Bible home, and then you can continue reading through that same passage all week long and just see what else God has for you in it. If you don't have a Bible, there's the ones in the back. It's our gift to you, of course. But this passage, it's vital for us to understand um, that Jesus sees himself in this passage as the sower. And as the sower in this passage, he is absolutely not strategic at well, at all. Have you ever noticed that? Like, he's not going, okay, so we'll put a seed here, and i got to make a little hole deeper here and put a seed there, I'll put one there. He's just, like, throwing the seed out willy-nilly all over the place in any place it falls with no exclusion. He's just like, you've got good kingdom work. You've got good kingdom work. Everyone's going to have a little bit of seed. Everyone has an opportunity to receive from Jesus and no one is excluded from that. And as we saw last week, everyone belongs at the table and we see it in this passage as well. Now, I used to read this passage, and I used to feel really frustrated that maybe I didn't have good enough soil. I don't know. If, have, you ever, have you ever experienced that? Like, I would compare, yeah, thanks, Marta. I would compare myself to other Christians and feel either holier or less holier than them because my life was healthier or less healthier than theirs. But this passage... This passage isn't meant for me to look at my life and then compare it to your life and go like, well, they've got a lot more rocks in their soil, so I must be doing okay. This passage is so much more than answering the question of what kind of dirt you are. It's so much deeper than just asking that simple question. If, if the soil represents my life, it's really hard for me just to see one type of soil represented in my life at one point. I mean, I wish my life was just totally full of rich, healthy, dark soil that represents me, that nourishes only good and, and brings about that full picture of God's love on display to the world through Jesus Christ. I hope my life nourishes and grows good things. But I know that there's rocks in there too. I know there's weeds and I know there's thorns and I wonder if perhaps this inner geography that Jesus speaks of might encompass all types of soil at once. Like Jesus tosses seeds into every area of my life and parts of me are ready to accept that kingdom, kingdom message of, of love that can grow deep, healthy roots while other parts of me reject the good news, which is really heartbreaking, which continually needs to be seen. I need to continually see those places where Jesus has thrown good seed at me and I'm like ricocheting it off and I need to see it and repent of it while other parts of me are readily accepting that seed because I have good soil, but there's parts of me that ricochet. And the thing is, is that Jesus never stops sowing. He won't stop tossing seeds for my good and for his glory to be seen. He doesn't give up. And studying this passage makes me wonder 
If the manipulation and an abuse a person may have experienced growing up maybe could have caused their soil to be packed down real hard. And that hardened places of racism or the hardened places of prejudice where seeds have a difficult time penetrating, maybe that person has other areas in their life that flourishes and grows the kingdom in Jesus' type of ways, how they nurture their children. And we see that places in their hearts that are growing good fruit of kingdom worth while other places have become hardened through life. Maybe the soil of a person's life is full of nourishment in some ways while kind of choking and oppressing themselves in other ways. So if you're wondering in this story, in this parable, what type of soil you are, I'd say, yeah, you're that soil. You are. However, Jesus is fully interested and fully invested in transforming the geography of your life by helping remove weeds, removing rocks, breaking up the hard ground so more can grow and more can thrive. Turn with me back to Matthew 13 if you lost that spot there. Verse 20, it says, He's explaining the parable and he says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. When I was reading that, it made me think of the times where where we don't allow Jesus to get into the places of our lives where the ground might be hard or might be rocky. And oftentimes those are because of hurts and anxieties that have caused this like protective subfloor towards our hearts. And in the process, we miss out on the life that Jesus has for us. And I think that grieves the Lord and it certainly grieves us. But James chapter one, it says to consider it pure joy whenever you face troubles and trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It it develops strength in your life. And so when you are a disciple of Jesus, when you're committing all of your life towards Jesus, what happens is your root base becomes stronger. It becomes deeper. So when the difficulties of this world come your way because they will, I mean, in James, it says when you face trials, not if, but when, because they, they do. When those difficulties in your life come your way, you won't become unrooted, like this parable is saying could happen. What you have is stronger roots, deep abiding in God's strength. Like, I imagine when, when those hard times have come our way, when those, when those times have, like, knocked us out like our feet from underneath us, we find ourselves like laying on our back wondering how we got here. Oftentimes in those moments when we are living a life of discipleship, we find ourselves like being pulled into this cleft of God's rock, like almost like he's sheltering us from the storm and the storm still hurts and it's still painful. But what happens is like we have a deep abiding of like leaning into God's protection in those midst of hardship. 
and we get changed in the process where those roots that God had sown in our lives have gotten deeper and stronger. And when the winds come our way, it's not like we become unrooted. We dig deeper into the root of who God is. And then we get to look back on that situation with joy. Consider it joy. Well, we look, we look back and we see it with joy. So it, it begs the question then, how do we find joy in trials? Because it doesn't sound right. How do we become those types of disciples? Matthew 13, 19, Jesus says, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches, it, snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path, he says. That word understand, um, I looked it up in the Greek and it's, it's actually a verb. It, it, it's an action word. It's not just merely gaining more information or downloading more information. It, it's not just mere knowledge to know all the right words. It, it, it has to do with an action. And American Christianity, it, it often has this, we have this habit of seeing church as a time to gain more information. I mean, we, we like click on things all day long on, on the internet because we're, we're always getting more information. <laughs> we're liking different social justice things because we want more information. And so we talk about the, the sermon with the language of, um, did it feed me? Or was I changed by what the preacher said? Was it a full meal? And while it's important that we are challenged by God's word, 100% challenged by God's word and what the pastor has brought, Sunday only comes once a week. And the enemy, all the forces out there that are against the purposes of God, are continually looking to see that if what you know what you've downloaded can simply just be removed. Can I just take it out? The understanding of the kingdom isn't mere knowledge to obtain or collect or to hold in your heart. It is to be experienced with all your senses. And I know you've seen this to be true where the kingdom has lived in your mind, but it hasn't lived in your heart. And you can say all the right things about taking care of the poor and saying everyone belongs at the table and knowing all the right words about colonialism and systematic poverty and racism and white supremacy and injustice and have a very low level of relationships with those who actually suffer from oppression and those who belong around the table. I might know all the right words to say and not actually have any relational equity with someone who is actually experiencing the words I know. When it's information you know and not a kingdom life of discipleship you daily practice, the enemy can easily remove the, the seeds that Christ wanted to plant in the first place. Just earlier, before Jesus experienced being in the boat and he's sharing all these different times of these parables. Actually, there's so many different parables about seeds throughout this, this chapter. Uh, Jesus had just finished the Sermon on the Mount. So turn back with me to chapter Matthew chapter 8. 
It's the last things. Oh my gosh, you guys. It's the last thing Jesus says in this Sermon on the Mount before he goes and he starts doing these miracles, healing a guy with leprosy, um, healing the centurion, uh, the centurion's servant. And he says in verse, in chapter 28, verse 24, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The seeds of the kingdom isn't listening and hearing. It's practice. And we practice the way of Jesus by putting his love on display in the world. Scripture says that they will know we are Christians by our love for each other. They will know we are disciples, followers of Jesus, committed people to Jesus Christ by how we love each other. And instead of just saying that we love Jesus, we live it out. We look for ways of living it out. We pray, Jesus, give me eyes to see the oppressed around me and actually respond instead of just posting something else on Facebook. Help me to actually respond to the needs around me. Help me seek it out, even Jesus. Today we get to show our brother Roger. He's not here today because he's been preparing for us to come over, so he kind of tweaked his back real bad. But we get to show our brother Roger that we love him and that Jesus loves him. Anybody who can come with us, instead of doing our normal go to the beach or go to the river uh, that we do over the summer, we're going to go to Roger's house down the street in Arcata, and we're just going to clean his house for him. I know a lot of you already know this, but his wife is bedridden. She can't get out of bed for the most part, so he takes care of her solely. His, his daughter is also bedridden right now, and she's been bedridden for quite some time. And he has a daughter who's coming into town with his grandkids, and he's also having surgery coming up soon. And so his daughter's coming into town to help take care of him, but his house is, is in no place for kids right now because he's had no space to clean it and to get it ready for children. So we're going to go today and just spend a few hours, do a dump run for him. We're going to do some yard work in the front yard and the backyard, clean his kitchen, like do a deep clean on the microwave and on the stove and all those places that get forgotten in every kitchen, um, wash the floors, do that, that sort of thing. So if you have time today, let's, let's put that love into action and if you can't do it today, I encourage you to look for somebody either in the community here or in your own community and put that love into action. See what the need is and meet it. I know that some of you guys um, invite your neighbors over, your random neighbors over, and you just love them and you share a meal with them and you, and you really put the loving your neighbor as yourself into action. And that is so beautiful. Last week we did the river and Cherry, she's not here today, but she needed a ride and, her, and all these kids needed a ride. And Paul gave her a ride and Jason gave them a ride and, and they all made it to the river. And that's, that's taking the love that you say that you, that you have for Christ and putting it into action. That's, it's simple, so simple. Another thing that we're doing is, is um, we've invited all of you, and I don't know how clear we've made this, but we've invited all of you to, to go vegetarian over the summer by like caring for the environment in just a way of letting go of meat, either 100% letting go or, or really taking a step to take some days away from meat throughout your week, and just eating, eating the right, the, the things that aren't gonna damage the earth more than is already damaged, being more aware of what we're consuming for God's glory to be seen. And damage us. And damage us. <laughs> 
vegetarian nuggets. <laughs> um, another thing that we're doing is we're planting food to show ourselves and re remind ourselves that, that God is a God of plenty, that God provides enough and that we get to participate in that provision for other people. Uh, every fifth Sunday, and this one will be at the end of July, uh, we do some sort of service project. So this fifth Sunday here, we are um, not going to meet together as a church like this, but we're going to have like a huge Jenga set in here and cornhole, and we're going to do a big barbecue with healthy foods for the neighborhood, and we're just going to invite all the neighbors to come by for a big block party and just be the church for our neighborhood. Simple things. Simple things that are a way to put the love that God has sown into your hearts, into something that's not merely cerebral, but actually something that has meat in it, action, steps into that stuff. And there's countless other ways that you guys are practicing the kingdom as disciples. I know that you are. And the seed of the kingdom cannot take root in our lives if we just keep it cerebral. The kingdom is participatory. It shows that everyone belongs that Jesus uproots the weeds and tills the soil of our hearts and removes the rock, rocks and embeds the truth of his love by transforming the geography of our inner lives. I'm not going to get into this, but I was thinking about it later on. It's not merely just an individual choice either. The soil is communal. So what does the soil of our church look like? What rocks need to be removed? What needs to be uprooted and tilled and the painful parts of that? Can we be honest with each other those places and, and really press into that? We're going to go into communion. Um, and I, I love having a time of open dialogue. And sometimes it, it's beautiful. And other times it's, it's a little awkward. And it's okay because I love awkward. Um, but are, are there any thoughts about this passage? Anything that came up or anything that you've heard before that would be important to to express or something the Spirit has put on your life about this passage today? Anything to bless the community with? I, like, we do a lot of gardening, and um, one of the things that you are concerned about, you know, when you're gardening is, like, building the soil. Mm. And we talk about that a lot with our kids. Good. You know, what builds the soil, you know, is um, stuff dying. Stuff dying, yeah. And, um, you know, like being recycled back into the soil, and if that doesn't happen, that's good. You know, nothing changes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Death to life. It's good. Anybody else? Hmm. Yeah, Ed. Well, I was thinking when you were talking about about doing things for others, well, it's another thing. It's if we don't, it's like putting your light underneath a bushel, mm. and the bushel being something that planters would know about. Oh and yeah. Just the idea that when we're doing something for other people, we're not only doing it for them, we're doing it for ourselves too. Yeah. Which in turn goes back to to God, and so it's just that experience of being able to feel that you did something for somebody not for any reason other than because you're a Christian out of God's love and things like that that's, that's kind of what I get from it as well good 
Good, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Marta. Good. Thank you, Marta. Just thinking back to like, when you started, those those places where um, we used to think, "Oh, am I rocky? Am I mm-hmm. you know, the categories that we put ourselves in?" And it's funny because I've read, like you were saying, I've read this a lot of times, and it's like the first time it sunk in that maybe because I'm in gardening more, <laughs> but that um, change actually or soil can be changed. Mm. Right. That it's not a, just a stagnant thing. That you know, that soil is just packed down. It will always be packed down. That, right. Or it's always it's it's always good. So you never have to attend it at all. That was there's an action in it that. Um, yeah, that is good. Nice. And I think yeah. In line with that, it's not just that the soil is constantly being reworked and changing, but. I think sometimes we think about the seed itself as being too singular, like mm. where one type of seed has come and that's who we are and that represents right. us. But like as a soil, like I mean, we have to. I, Thomas Merton writes a lot about how like every single moment, like if you're if you're trying to live more of a contemplative life, like every moment is a seed, right? Mm. Like every single moment represents a new seed, a new opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I think we we probably don't. I don't know. I like, I don't consciously think about that as enough as to like how every single moment in life how insignificant it seems it seems like particularly as like a parent we see like how every single moment can be teachable or every single moment can can mean something yeah. to those people around us and I think in our daily walk you know we don't we don't think enough about how seeds are all around us like our, and within ourselves as well like yeah. there's, there's not just one form of seed that takes root in our life but there's all these seeds that right. we can recognize Right. That's good. David, did you want to share at all about the seed idea that, that you emailed me this with earlier? You talked about a seed and how in a little seed, and maybe you guys have all heard this before too, but in a little seed, there could be enormous potential for something great. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, there's... Like in an apple tree, you know, every apple has what, like five or six seeds, but every, in every seed there are um, a a million, more than a million apples of potential within that one little seed if it's planted into the, into the right kind of soil. Yeah. I I missed the sermon last week, but I watched it. Yeah. Talking about generosity. Creation, this abundance. Yeah. A single apple is potentially an orchard. Yeah. You know? And that's just phenomenal. 
Totally. That multiplication that happens from a single apple, for sure. Jesus is just like, you know, you're going to do greater things than me. And we're like, how is that possible? Well, it just multiplies and multiplies because of God's, God's goodness and grace. Yeah. Good. Any last thoughts? Isaac, do you have something? Can you say it a little louder, honey? About redwood, yeah. That's right. He said the redwood seed starts off as like the smallest one of the smallest seeds. And if you've ever seen a redwood seed, it's um, it's it's like half of an eraser top. It's it's super duper small less than half of an eraser top. And, um, and it's, uh, it grows into something vast and numerous. And I mean, I know you've all heard that, that idea before that the redwood roots are interconnected with each other. So they don't, so that way they have a, a stronger base. And I think sometimes when we think of like the roots in the soil, um, if we're only thinking of, our, thinking of ourselves as individuals within that soil that Christ is talking about, we're missing the, the vastness of root potential that happens within a community of people, that we hold each other up, that we learn from each other, that, that when those storms come, my roots interlock deeper with your roots, and we're all rooted to Christ in the process. So thank you for that, Isaac. Cool. Um, so let me pray, and then we'll go into our time of communion like we did last week. Uh, we'll uh, just kind of circle up, and everybody will receive a piece of the bread, and then we'll pass the cup and dip it and, and eat it together. Um, we'll pray, and then we'll go into our, into our time of, of soil making. And I think we even have compost, right, that we can add some death to it. <laughs> I think there's some in the back. Um, Jesus was with his disciples and they were, they were celebrating the Passover meal, and, uh, and they were in Jerusalem together, which was the holiest cities of all. It was the place where, uh, where all that, G- that God represented was housed, essentially. And they go into this place that, that represents, like, you know, the seed of all the seeds, essentially, the, the, the best type of soil ever. And they're sharing a meal that represented God's provision beyond what they could ever imagine, that God was incredibly faithful to his people, that he had rescued uh, Israel out of slavery in Egypt and set them on a new path with a new name and a new purpose and a new identity as his people. And every year, the Israelites, the Jewish folk, would come together in Jerusalem to celebrate God's provision. And Jesus, with his disciples, he takes what has always been done and always understood, very black and white, this is what we do and this is why we do it, and he kind of flipped it on its head. And he said, instead of, Jesus, instead of God being the one that rescued, God will keep rescuing through me. Instead of the, the God who, who uh, saved people from slavery, I will be the God, as, as God, I will be God who continues to, to rescue people from slavery and set people free. So he took bread and he broke it and he said, this bread represents my body broken for you. And he took one of the cups of wine and this is grape juice, yeah? We still can't find the wine opener. Uh, 
And, uh, and he poured it and he said, this, this cup represents my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. So anything that might hold you back or keep you in that place of rockiness and hardness of soil and, and um, a path that is, that is heavy and burdensome, he said, I've come to till it up and make it, make it pliable, make it healthy and good for my glory to be seen. And the Apostle Paul tells us that every time we come together, we're supposed to do this in remembrance of Jesus. So we do. We take the bread, we dip it in the cup, and remember who Christ, what his life was like, who he was and is, his death on the cross, and his resurrection, and uh, his proclamation to come again. And until then, we get to continue this, this movement going forward. Um, let me pray, and then we'll go into this time together. Jesus, we thank you for this, this amazing um, life that you, have, that you have welcomed us into. This life of, of truth, this life of goodness, this life that is not merely something to uh, download information about, but to experience fully, to participate in fully. And we pray a blessing over the bread and over the cup. May we take it in today. And may it transform us because of you, because of your love. Jesus, we ask that if there's places in our hearts that need to be tilled up, God, that you will till it, that we can support each other in whatever painful parts that might bring. If there's things that need to be removed from this community or removed from our own lives, please reveal it to, our, to ourselves. May we be changed people for your glory and your kingdom. We love you. We thank you for this grace and the hope that you bring. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about ways that you can be involved with Catalyst, please visit our website at provokechange.org. Until next time, continue loving God, loving our neighbors, and loving each other.